In the late 19th century, the king of Belgium decided it was high time that his tiny nation joined in on all of the colonial imperialism that their big European brothers were known for. He decided to lay claim to a large portion of Central Africa, which became known as the Congo Free State. Over the following two decades, he would oversee the brutal enslavement, torture, and murder of millions of the African natives, all for fun and profit. Grab a drink and settle in for the story of a relatively unknown genocide in this episode of 100 Proof History, titled King Leopold II. Gotta hand it to him. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. So, you know, uh, Chris, the jazz bar is open again. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. You know, COVID-19 and everything, it was, like most things, shut down for a while. Right. But, yeah, of course, they do the social distancing thing now to where, you know, there's a, like a seat in between every, you know, bar place. Right. You got to wear a mask, of course. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking decent thing to do in society. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm sitting there. This uh, tall drink of water walks in. Mm-hmm. You know, she's wearing a mask, which I don't know about you, but I've been looking at the honeys lately with the mask, and it's like, oh, there's something uh, seductive about it. Oh, yeah. yeah Sexy. It's, it's like, you know, fancy lingerie. It's it's about what you're like, oh, that leaves something to the imagination. I'm following you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, she's got like this sexy hourglass figure. And, uh, you know, she pulls up next to me at the bar. And that's the point where you can take your mask off. And mm-hmm. So you can drink. Makes sense. She takes her mask off. Very well manicured mustache. Oh. And you know me. Tits and a mustache. That's my favorite combo. That's it. So, you know, I do my, I do my thing. Mm-hmm. I uh, press down on my velour shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure I get all them wrinkles out. Offered to buy her a drink. Wouldn't you believe it, though? She said I was wearing too much lipstick, and it turned her off. Oh. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I was confident on that one. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Eh, you, you know, you miss 100% of the shots, you don't take those. That, so. that is true. That is true. And, you know what? That's a good good way to welcome in our listeners to Haunted Proof History, the podcast that was voted the most accurate historical podcast by the American Association for the Deaf and Criminally Insane. And my mom. Oh. She also said I was handsome. And she's like applying another layer of lipstick on. It's like, this way, it'll last all <laughs> night, honey. Yes. Okay. That's about right. <laughs> but she kind of, like, as she's going around the line of the lip. Mm-hmm. She takes a little low there in the corner to cover up that herpes blister. Oh, that's you know nice of I mean? her. Yeah. Yeah. Just and so it, it all blends. Makes your lips look fuller. So. I wish I could have cold sores all the time. <laughs> I practically do. All right, Greg. Well, today we're talking about Belgium and their exploits. Maybe our first show. I, you know, I should know this is probably our first show on the Belgians. We may have mentioned them. You know, briefly in one of our World War II shows when Germany just kind of like rolled straight through there and fucked everything up. But uh, this is the first time we're actually talking about the little, little tiny nation of Belgium and their impact on history. So you're welcome, stupid Belgians. Well, yeah, and our source today is King Leopold's Ghosts by Adam Hosschild. Yeah, it's a pretty good book. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it. It's very detailed. We're going to talk about a lot of horrible shit today. If that gets your motor going, if you're like, ooh, I want to know a little bit more, pick up this book because there are a thousand things I highlighted in here. It's like, oh, that's fucking horrible. Let me highlight that. Oh, that's depraved and fucked up. And then it's so much. I was like, this is going to be an eight-hour fucking show if I put all this stuff in here. Yeah, it's hard to like pick and choose because there's so much bad shit that happened. Mm -hmm. You want to include it all, but you also don't want this to be just like, Torture porn. <laughs> right. Like it that guy's driving home listening to the episode. He's like, 
you know what? I, I was thinking about this anyways, and just careens off the fucking bridge into the lake. He's like, yeah, this, this, this world is too fucking awful. <laughs> so I thought it was going to be a he was masturbating on the way home joke. Well, he could have been doing that too. That's what I'm going to be doing when I commit suicide. I'm going to confuse the shit out of those homicide investigators. Homicide investigators? Oh, yeah. You know, they're the ones trying to figure out if I actually uh, killed myself or if it was a setup. Someone cut my brake lines because they knew I masturbated on bridges. It was my fetish. Like, oh, that's how they're going to get him. That's how he's going to fucking die. Sounds plausible. Yep. (sighs) What are you drinking today? Today, Gregory, I'm having Old Forester 1897. Uh, it's a hundred proof bottled and bond bourbon. It's very delicious. Uh, the reason I'm having this today is 1897 is kind of in the time period we're talking about, kind of the height of the Congo free state that, uh, you know, Leopold's running and old forester. Cause they had to go out into the jungle, the forest and do horrible things. The jungle. Yes. But that's like a fancy forest. It's like a forest with <laughs> pizzazz, if you will. A fruity forest. Yeah. You walk out and it's like, this isn't a forest, this is a jungle. I can see the sequins. Look at that. <laughs> that snake is singing lines from Mamma Mia. This is definitely a jungle. <laughs> Gregory, what are you having to drink today? I'm drinking Sip Smith Independent Spirits. It's a slow gin. Oh. And I'm drinking it because although the Congolese were enslaved, I like to feel like they had independent spirits. Okay, all right. I like it. Because you can take my life, but you can never take my freedom. Oh, yeah. Just like Braveheart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, all these guys running around in kilts, got blue face paint. Uh, They all get their dick cut off and shoved them in their mouth. That's a little history fact for you. I don't think any of that's true. None of that is true. But the spirit of William Wallace lived in these Congolese people. They were very aware of his story. (laughs) (laughs) They had listened to episode eight of 100 Proof History, and they're like, ah, we're just like that guy. Hope it works out better for us. It didn't. (laughs) Spoilers, Chris. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, Gregory, do you think we've wasted enough time? Do you think we can actually talk about history now and get into the story of Leopold II and the Congo Free State. I just realized this shit was 29% alcohol by volume, so I will be switching my drink to whiskey. (laughs) Okay. Yes, let's get into the story. In 1865, Leopold II, then 30 years old, became the ruling monarch of Belgium, which at that point had only been a country for 35 years. His childhood was fairly typical of royalty in that he was educated and given military training, but his father, Leopold the OG, was so cold and distant that Leopold II had to schedule an appointment just to see his dad. Most of the time, they had to pass notes to each other through their royal secretaries. He'd, uh, he'd walk up there and he'd like slap a sticky note on top of a baseball. It's like, I throw this to you. He puts it in the tray. Secretary takes it, notarizes it, stamps the fucking thing, hands it to dad. He's like, oh, okay. Passes it back. Secretary hands it back to Leopold II. He says, throw like a girl your bitter disappointment. He's like, god damn it. God damn it. (laughs) Even distant, he's a fucking prick. Jesus. When Junior was 18, Leopold Prime took his son to Austria and forced him to marry 16-year-old Marie Henriette of the Habsburgs. And maybe our listeners might know who the Habsburgs are. They're the uh, Austrians who love to have sex with each other. And, you know, all the incest is wincest. Am I right, Greg? Uh, survey says you are, in fact, wrong. Oh! Well, then I disagree with what I said. I turn... I am changing my opinion. <laughs> Old me was an idiot. New me's way better. Oh, incest is disgusting. <laughs> right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not erect. Okay. Anyway. The Habsburgs, yeah, they had lots of incest and they became deformed people. I don't know if Marie was that way, but we do know she loved riding horses and she had a loud, boisterous laugh. Just a big <laughs> Hey guys, that was hilarious. <laughs> Leopold fucking hated horses and he had zero sense of humor she was like hey you want to watch like this steve martin movie he's like uh 
I'm sorry. Big Bang Theory's on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bazinga, am I right? And she's like, oh, God, why did I marry you? Oh, uh, that's right. I didn't really have a choice. Yeah, I'm a girl in 1800s Austria. I don't have control of my life. <laughs> the Sheldon's hilarious, I guess. I don't fucking know. Just don't, <laughs> don't murder me. On their wedding day, Leopold got scarlet fever. The train that was to bring Marie to the Belgian border for the ceremony was half an hour late. And that's because while Leo was getting scarlet fever, she was busy getting the scarlet letter oh. with the train conductor <laughs> and the waiter. Oh, my goodness. They uh, ran a train on her, if you will. <laughs> toot, toot. Hey, girl. You know what the Eiffel Tower is? She's like, no. Oh, you won't for a few years, but once you find out, this joke will make sense. <laughs> no, I'm a girl. They don't teach me anything now. <laughs> I make a baby? Yes, that's what's happening. <laughs> Uh-oh, it's a girl. I guess I killed it. Yes, Marie. You bitch. <laughs> Throw it out the train window into the lake. <laughs> like, they impregnated her and she had the baby while still on the train ride. She <laughs> threw it out the window. Out the window. <laughs> Trains were much slower back then. Everybody knows this. <laughs> you know, the actual story is actually kind of funny because basically as the train's going, they have to have these telegram operators letting them know updates, how, soon, how far away the train is, all that. One of the dudes says, this is fucking boring. There's a fucking band over here playing for some reason. I'm going to go check out the band. The band was actually for the wedding. So he's out there fucking jamming out to the band playing for the wedding while the train's all stuck and no one knows where the fuck she is. So that's equally as funny as her getting impregnated and having the baby on the train, right? Right? Yes, that's very funny. (laughs) History's boring. Where the fuck was I? Well, on their honeymoon, Leopold was constantly embarrassed by her quote-unquote barnyard laugh, and he made her cry in public when he refused to ride in a gondola with her while they were in Venice. It's just a great fucking start to your wedding. Just laying down the law. I ain't getting in no fucking boat. She's like, please, we already paid for the ride. We can't get a refund. He's just bawling her eyes out. He's like, (sighs) no. Ain't no wife of mine getting in a fucking boat. Tell you what. You know what happens in boats? No. Shark attacks. I ain't fucking letting my wife get eaten by no shark. In a riverboat? That's what'll happen, man. You ever been to Venice? They got them Italian sharks. They wear that fucking nice nylon suits, and they jump out the water at you and ask you if you need insurance for your small businesses. Man, those motherfuckers. Sell you fake cologne? Yeah. The two would wind up having three daughters together, as well as a son who died at the age of nine. (laughs) But Leopold turned out to be as cold and distant as his dear old daddy taught him to be. Instead of hanging out with his family, he spent most of his time researching and lusting after two things. Becoming a dictator and claiming a valuable overseas colony for Belgium. See, Leopold hated that he had to answer to a parliament. He was like, fucking George Clinton, always bending me over the barrel and making me do stuff. <laughs> parliament Funkadelic? Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, 12-year-olds. Look it up. Change your fucking life. Once someone tried to compliment him by telling him he'd make a great president of a republic, but he got all pissy, turned to his doctor friend, and said, Belgian accent! What would you say, doctor? If someone greeted you as a great veterinarian. Say, doctor. <laughs> I can't I think do that. that's Belgian. That's jive. <laughs> no, that's, I'm pretty sure that's Belgian. Okay, fair enough. You just got to be the uh, the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> it was a Belgian. Belgian. <laughs> now, he wanted a colony because he knew it would make him and his country rich. To that, he said... Oh, God. Can you do the little shop of horrors voice for this quote? Belgium doesn't exploit the world. It's a taste we've got to make her learn. Pretty good. Pretty solid. Thank you. 
He studied the colonies of the Dutch and the Spanish and found they could be super profitable, but you had to rely on forced slave labor. Hmm. Probably a, a very big ethical roadblock that he probably won't be able to get over. Just, uh, just saying. Oh, you never know. Let's just press on with the story and find out. All right. I was going to end it there and just let the listener try to figure it out for themselves, but uh, we'll just keep spoon-feeding these morons. <laughs> when the Spanish began to lose their stranglehold on the Philippines, Leopold tried to buy up the islands, but he couldn't raise the funds. It was around the same time that a man named Henry Morton Stanley was becoming famous for his exploration of Central Africa, which at that time was just a big blank spot on most European maps. Leopold saw that blank spot and said, It's free real estate! And he began to devise a plan to build his colony there under the guise that he would use the territory to fight the evil Arab slave trade. Those bastards! Taking part in slavery. Those sons of bitches. Slaving people, how dare they? Pieces of shit. Well, Stanley was just the guy to help out. Stanley had traveled from east to west across Africa, following the Congo River, which starts at a high elevation and runs down to the western coast and is full of waterfalls and rapids. He had done so in a steamboat that often had to be pulled out of the water and carried alongside the river. Along the way, he and his men killed a shitload of Africans, who made the unfortunate mistake of bringing spears and bows to a rifle and Maxim gunfight. And that's the precursor to the machine gun, the Maxim gun. Oh, I thought it was the Maxim magazine. They would distract them with pictures of pretty ladies mm. and shoot them. They would put out the pretty lady magazine bait. Yeah. The guys would come out of their villages and be like, what the fuck is this? Whoa, hey. Hey. Look at this. Look at Bam! Fucking dead. Elizabeth Hurley and bedazzled. Oh, look at that. She's wearing some leather. <laughs> In this joke... It's like the dentist office. It's always the 10-year-old magazines. You're like, a People magazine. Can Obama win? Well, fuck, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what the magazine has to say. <laughs> Stanley's trip would take four and a half months, and most of his party would die due to starvation and disease, and also because Stanley was woefully underqualified and hired other unqualified people because he didn't want to be shown up. That's the same reason I perform my own appendectomy, Greg. Fucking doctors think they know everything. Now I got this, this sweet-ass scar. I can see all my veins. They're all red and pulsy and putting off a lot of heat. Yeah, the scar's oozing. Yeah, it's got this delicious white cream coming out of it. Oh. Chris, I think you might have an infection. <laughs> you don't fucking know. Don't tell me what, what I have. You're not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. You're not... Not that I'd believe you if you were. Yeah. Doctors are stupid. Doctors are trying to tell me to wear a mask. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like that's going to stop me from coughing and having shortness of breath. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> now when I have to eat my Brussels sprouts, jokes on you, I don't taste a thing. Yeah. Doctors don't know shit. Yeah. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. My grandma's not doing great. Uh, probably shouldn't have made out with her. But you know, <laughs> oh. every day is a new opportunity to learn something new. That's all I'm saying. You know, uh, you're making out with her. I guess I probably shouldn't have been on the other end, right? Kissing on that old butthole. <laughs> it's just asking for infections. It's begging for them. I'm not a doctor, but you probably shouldn't eat on my old grandma's asshole. Just saying. <laughs> On June 10th, 1878, Leopold met with Stanley and hired him to return to the Congo River and begin construction of a road and then a railway. Along the way, he was to convince the chiefs of the tribes that lived there to sign treaties to join a loose alliance that was managed by the Belgians. Uh, of course, most of these chiefs couldn't read or write and were presented with very confusing contracts that basically gave up all of their land and rights for pieces of cloth. You know... They downloaded the app and says, do you accept our terms and conditions? You're like, yeah, I read those things. <laughs> okay, checkbox, accept. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Apple's attorney show up at your house like, yes, we get to claim your wife for a night. Here are six plastic beads. You're like, well, 
I clicked the button. Fuck. Well, the fucked up thing was they couldn't read the language. Yeah. And so it was basically like, here, we give you this. We get this. Sign here. Yeah. Meanwhile, the contract said something completely different, but that basically satiated the other European powers because it's like, okay, they're not taking advantage. Yeah. Because they have a signed contract. It's yeah, really it, fucked up. And you read the contracts, and they actually do have the where for two hereafter named applicant. I would sign it. I don't know yeah. what the fuck it is. Yeah. Oh, sweet. That's that's how I ended up with a twenty eight percent interest on my uh, car loans, and it totally wasn't worth it because that ninety three Camry crapped out as soon as I bought it in twenty twelve. I'm just saying. <laughs> And I could tell a teacher had owned it because it still had eight bottles of empty Mad Dog 2020 and a revolver with just one bullet in there. You know, looks like somebody's spinning the chamber a lot. I don't know. I could tell a teacher had owned that shit. Makes sense. Yeah. Leopold then formed an organization known as the International African Society. That's a uh, good thing for a white man to do. Yeah. A whole bunch of white people were running it. You know, it's fine. <laughs> They're all South Africans, Greg. And they speak in that weird accent, and they fight Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon 2. That kind of... They were the ones running it. Leopold then began to try and convince the world powers to support his cause. Sure, he'd be in charge of a large colony, but it was only so that he could spread religion and education, as well as protect the poor Africans that had lived there for thousands of years without white people there telling them why they were doing it completely wrong. The first country that agreed to support Leopold was the good old U.S. of A. The effort was led by a southern senator who desperately longed for a place to send all the recently freed slaves. In his eyes, there was no better place than a European-controlled colony in Africa. He's like, yeah, you know, sure, they're free, but uh, what if we put another group of white people in charge of them? Wouldn't that be okay? You know, that'd probably make everything okay. They wouldn't be here anymore. Uh, yeah, I feel good about this. Well, if they're not going to be slaves over here, then why the fuck are they here? <laughs> That's so this piece of shit's thinking. That's exactly what that horse's ass was thinking. Well, Leopold convinced England and France to join in because he promised them free trade with the colony. The last to join the party were the Germans, who knew that Leopold was up to some shady shit, but eventually they approved of the new Congo Free State as well. They're okay with shady shit as long as they got their piece. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, listen, we know you're up to something. Just tell us, because it's kind of our kink to fuck over people. So just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. I'll, I'll put on my best black leather, and mm-hmm. we'll fuck them over together. Yeah, you're telling England and France that they get free trade, but, uh... What if these guys talk dirty to us and shit on a coffee table, a glass coffee table, while we looked from the other side? Could that happen? And Leopold's like, oh, yeah, we can make that happen. It's like... You son of a bitch, I'm in. We're, we're 100%. <laughs> the Congo Free State was divided into several smaller territories, each of which were controlled by a trading company, and each one of those companies paid 50% of their profits directly to King Leopold. While he had borrowed money from them to pay for Stanley's expedition, the colony wasn't actually run or owned by the Belgian government. So all the money went right into Leopold's pocket, and he must have really sucked at math. Because he didn't report any of it. Uh, he's like, uh, I don't know. I'll show you. Uh, hey, you know what, guys? I'll show you the records as soon as the, the revenue service is done auditing them. They've been <laughs> looking at those for a while. They've <laughs> been doing it for a few years now. Yeah. No, but I promise, as soon as they're done, you guys will see them. Um, that, that small amount of tax is actually a filing fee that I paid. Just, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> What? A large payment for Russia? Where'd that come from? I don't know. What? <laughs> Stanley's expedition wouldn't get underway until 1882, and the first rail of the railroad wouldn't actually be laid until 1890. In that span of time, Stanley and his men surveyed the land and built a road. Along the way, they basically pillaged and destroyed every village they came across. Just like Alexander the Great. These guys are heroes. I salute them. Well... Okay, fine. Fine! I mean, Alexander had a technological advance with his Sarisas, you know, the long spears, and these guys had technological advances with their rifles that could shoot multiple times while this guy's reloading his bow. Mm-hmm. 
do you feel bad at the end of a game of Civilization and you've set it on like the easiest setting and you roll your tanks and your jets into the neighboring territory and they have archers? Do you feel bad? You don't feel bad. Kind of. Oh, do you? Well, they were also, you know, 2,200 years apart. Yeah. So standards for morals have gone up considerably in that time frame. In theory. Okay, fine. Fine, Greg. Henry Morton Stanley wasn't as good as Alexander the Great. Is that what you want me to say? Is that what you want me to admit on this podcast? Just saying that everybody was doing it back then, Mom. <laughs> exactly, back then, son. If everybody attacked villages and massacred all the inhabitants, would you, Greg? Yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. We wouldn't uh, want to lose the advantage of materiel. <laughs> you are a materiel girl. <laughs> A wish. <laughs> Dude dressed like Madonna on the weekends. How did you know, you son of a bitch? Got my cone titties on under my overalls. <laughs> Your overalls. The jean overalls. Like the fucking buttons. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you got a piece of straw hanging out of your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> like a virgin. Hey! Touch for the banjo for the very first time. <laughs> like a virgin that just met his cousin, <laughs> who's also a man. <laughs> oh, and that's exactly how Leopold felt, Greg. Like a virgin. Stanley captured the men and forced them to work on the road and to serve as porters, carrying supplies while chained together at their necks. The women were held as hostages to make sure the men worked, but sometimes they were simply shot for sport. Sports were different back then. Yeah, way different. I'm glad they dissolved the Major League Women's Shooting Association. Just ridiculous. It was They only did it because of Title IX. Like, we couldn't actually get the funding for the Women's League. So we just got to end the whole sport altogether. The captured men were also forced to serve in the private army known as the Force Publique. The officers were all white and the troops were predominantly black. They tended to agree to serve in this force because of tribal differences and serving usually meant they wouldn't be thrown into chains and worked to death. Kind of like joining the army now. Kind of the same thing. And that's something that pisses me off when people are, you know, when they talk about slavery and they're like, well, I mean, it was th their fellow Africans that were selling these people into slavery. It's like, look, motherfucker, Africa is not a homogenous country. Right. There weren't even countries within it, really. It was tribes mm -hmm. that warred against each other. So, yeah, they were going to do that. Like, you went in and you took segmented pieces of the population because that's the way that their population worked. Right. It wasn't that they were betraying their own man. No, it was the the same way that, you know, if you capture, like, we'll use your Alexander example. Mm -hmm. You know, when he invades Persia and it's like, all right, well, you males are either going to die or you're going to be slaves. Right. You're going to work in the mines back in Greece. Boom. That's how it is. No, yeah, I agree. And for them, it made sense because it's, okay, if I capture this other tribe and give them to you. You won't take my people, you know? Yes, and you'll give me money, yeah. which gives me a further advantage against my enemy. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think these people, like you said, they look at Africa as homogenous. You know, it's all one nation inside this continent. It's not. It's, it's all tribes, and they've been fighting for, you know, millenniums. And, you know, white people show up, and all of a sudden, oh, well, whatever they do is dictated by the white guy. Well, no, it's... They're looking out for themselves like they've been for thousands of years. Yeah. I just always hate that, like, oh, well, they, they sold themselves out. Fuck you. Yeah. You obviously don't know shit. Yeah. Well, still, life in the ranks of the Force Public was pretty fucking terrible. The men were constantly beaten with a corkscrew whip known as a chicote. They'd have salt and pepper poured into their wounds. A little seasonal, a little clove of garlic. Yeah. As he's rubbing it, and he's like, push it. Push it real good. You know, because it's salt and pepper. Dun, 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 
Push it real good. This is worse than just the pain. Oh, god damn it. They'd also be hanged for the slightest bit of misconduct, and if they got sick, the white officers would just throw them into the river to drown. Although the force public weren't in chains like the porters, they were still slaves. In case you forgot, Leo had sold this dream based on the idea he'd be improving the life of the native Africans. But at this point, he hadn't built a single church, school, or a hospital that would treat black patients. Instead, Leopold had used slave labor to build roads, military outposts, and railway stations, and he even used more slave labor to attack and kill anyone who had opposed him. And Greg, and sweet, innocent, sexy listener, things are about to get much, much worse. No, they're not. They can't get worse than that, Chris. No, I mean, it's slave labor, slave armies killing people. That's pretty yeah, terrible. Yeah, you can't do anything worse to humans, can you? It's as you? bad as it gets. Yep. Yep, I can't can't imagine. You know, I was thinking, coming into this story, I was like, you know, last week we did Jeffrey Dahmer, and he just did horrible, horrible things to the underprivileged, a small class of people, underrepresented class of people. He did. And I was thinking, God, that we had moved past that and got back to history. You know? Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, finally, a history topic where people treat each other right. And halfway through this, I'm like, nope, nope, this is the worst thing that could happen to somebody. It's the absolute worst. It cannot get worse than this. You can't escape me, motherfucker! <laughs> no! no! Shut up, Hambone! <laughs> God! <laughs> oh, no! Great, Hambone's back. Let's go to break. All right, we are back from break, ready to tell you the second half of this story. Mm. Hope you're looking forward to it. Hope you're excited about all the horrible shit that's about to happen. Greg, it is time once again for America's favorite new segment, Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Well, Greg, we are, I think we're both participating this week. Have you already popped the top? Have you already done that? You hate me ruining the sound effect, but it happens. I do. Well, I was thinking about this. Uh, No one gives a shit what we're drinking, although I do have a fun one this week. But maybe for our listeners, this could be like a countdown for them. They can join in on us on the pop in the top. Like, and three, two, one, pop. You know? Uh, It could be a little ritual that we all enjoy. And you've already ruined it. Maybe we should have talked about that before we started recording. Anyway. I mean, I've, I've got another one here. Okay. Well, then, in that case. You know, I'm not coming up here with just one. <laughs> can't walk into the studio with one, dude. we got a lot of recording to do. That is true. That is true. That is why I'm drinking what I'm drinking. Anyway, three, two, one. Ah, oh, synchronized popping. Just like my prom night. Am I right? <laughs> Oh, both of those guys went in at the same time. It was crazy. (laughs) I don't know how they planned it so well. It was my first time. Anyway, (laughs) Craig, I am so excited about what I'm drinking. I don't know how awful it's going to be. You know, last week I told you I was degenerate and bought the 24-ounce at the gas station. Yes. Well, this week I went to the liquor store, I bought whiskey, and I completely fucking forgot to get seltzer. So on the way home, I stopped at the gas station again, and then I see it. It's all of its shining glory. It's got camo on the can, 24 oh. ounces. This is a four loco hard seltzer. Oh, God. It is 12% alcohol. Ugh, I bet it tastes awful, just like all four locos. I don't know if our listeners have experienced the gloriousness that is four loco. It tastes so bad. That you drink it super fast and get super drunk because you just want to get the experience over with. Four loco is the best thing because it's a two dollar and forty nine cent drunk. 
because it tastes so goddamn awful. It's like drinking six beers in 30 seconds. It's just so fucking Dude, bad. Dude, you remember in like the uh, mid-2000s, the old recipe? When I caffeine? Maybe it was the, the late 2000s? Yeah. Oh, God. It smells terrible. You'd have people getting fucked up on that. Yeah, it looks awful. It tastes god-awful. That is a surprise. Mm. I am shocked. Uh, it says, with a hint of sour mango. That's like saying your milk has a hint of lemon flavor. It's so fucking terrible to taste. Well, I'm glad you're very excited about this. Well, Greg, are you ready to tell these people more horrible things about what happened in the Congo? You know, that's my favorite part. Yeah. You ever see the movie, The Congo? It was just called Congo. Well, did you ever see the movie I'm Congo? Amy. Feed Amy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Diamond lasers. I like food. Monkey Amy insects. Amy like food. Oh. Amy like food. <laughs> It's basically like my wife just telling me all her fucking wants and needs with very limited language skills. It's the same thing Wolf Dick does. He uses the robotic voice to tell my wife, you suck it. You suck it. Right, Wolf Dick? (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not finish. No, I did not finish. (laughs) Shut up, Amy, wife! (laughs) Just lie to me and say yes. (laughs) Fun fact, Greg's wife is also a, a gorilla from the jungle that has a, a fucking Nintendo Power Glove that allows her to speak out loud by signing. I'm going to take it away from her. <laughs> she can't I don't need s- no back talk. You get in there and you just fucking make my banana puree dinner. <laughs> and don't put a shit patty in it this time, god damn it. <laughs> Amy, love you. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Oh, Amy, love me, huh? You haven't earned Greg's love. You haven't earned it. You get in there. Do some chores. Amy want open marriage, maybe divorce. Oh, it's time to take that thing off there. Let's just take that <laughs> love. This thing's defective, yeah. obviously. There's <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> because you love me, <laughs> gorilla wife. <laughs> Amy's boyfriend come over while you at work. No! Baby, no! <laughs> it's a bad gorilla wife. Bad! <laughs> Back to the mist with you. I told you all along, Greg. <laughs> Shut up, Greg Sambone. <laughs> You're a bad influence. Put me in the power glove. I'll tell you how I'm really feeling. <laughs> Put it back in my mouth like you did last time, boy. <laughs> Shut up, Greg Sambone. <laughs> You remember when that other gorilla came over and I made love to him? No! I blacked out! I told you! (laughs) I wasn't awake for that. You were. I'm straight, Hambo. (laughs) I'm married to a gorilla. Now I just picture Hambo like going to a truck stop and like, you know, glory holing a bunch of guys like, oh, this is so gross. I'm not into this at all. I am. Let's have some fun, boys. Hurry up, Hambone. <laughs> Need to satiate you for another month. Watching Netflix on your phone while Hambone's going to town. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're taking the office off on January 1st. We gotta finish this series. Shut up, I'm trying to concentrate over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy, shut up, and taking a long time. The dude on your side of the bathroom washing his hand looks over at you and be like, What'd you say? And you're like, Oh, nothing, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Saw your mouth moving when you were doing all that. What, what's your hand? Oh, uh, oh, oh, that's not me, sir. I'm not with him. That's you. Your mouth moved again. <laughs> you just do that for like two and a half minutes and he leaves. <laughs> Until he leaves. Just bobbing your head around like, I don't know what to say. It's the same thing that happened to me when my wife listened to this podcast. She's like, you're straight, right? And I was like, Uh, more or less yeah more or less yeah mostly (laughs) mostly i'd say 80 percent of the time probably (laughs) jesus anyway are you ready to talk about history i guess Uh, fine (laughs) well while the road and railway system were being built leopold began to look for ways to make money off of the colony The first resources people began to extract from the Congo was ivory. To get it, he authorized his traders to buy it from the tribes at low prices. In fact, the lower the price the trader paid, the bigger his bonus would be. 
you could probably see where this would become a problem. Right? Like, oh, what if I don't pay anything for it and you guys pay me a bonus? Hmm. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys in the Congo understand capitalism? Like, the fuck are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> cha-ching. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and in reality, the traders never actually paid the tribes the money they were owed. Imagine that. Ah, it's weird. Now, if you're not aware of what ivory is or where it comes from, because you don't own an antique piano or a set of 19th century dentures, then you should know that it comes from the tusks of elephants. Little known fact, Wolfdick has and uses both of those things, Greg. Wolfdick, give me a little bit of that Sophie Mentor music you know so well. Ah, uh, yes, from the Castle Itta series. Found only on Patreon. Yes, true. Which, by the way, did you know we have, at this point, over 50 exclusive episodes on Patreon? I did not know that because I don't pay attention because I already heard them all. I was a part of it, Greg. I was there. Yeah, well, me too, but I noticed that today. That's ah, a lot. That is a lot. It is. A whole lot. <laughs> no big deal. Give us money. <laughs> well, back to the ivory thing. Elephants aren't too fond of giving up their tusks, and so they have to be hunted. And that is where slavery came in once again. The African men would be forced to hunt elephants and recover the ivory or be killed by the forced public. It's like that time I traveled back in time to the early days of World War II mm-hmm. that I was telling you about. You remember? Yes. And I met that handsome French resistance fighter. Yes. Gerard. Mm. But he was part of the force pubic. <laughs> please, please forgive me, listen. That's please right. Forgive me. Greg went back in time to World War II. He could have killed Hitler, but instead he had a gay tryst with a guy from Force Publeek. <laughs> No, pubic. Oh, I'm sorry. The L. Yeah, there was no licking involved. No leaking. Yeah, French don't shave. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's all I have. <laughs> hey, Greg, could you have prevented the Holocaust? Probably, but I was too busy sucking that French dick. Am I right? <laughs> High fives, guys. No, no. Okay, sorry. That's over the line, Chris. That was nasty. I'm sorry. Well, now, the men were forced to do dangerous jobs, like Mike Rowe, you know, from the famous TV show, Dirty Jobs. I learned that he's a piece of shit today, actually. What? Yeah, I saw that on Reddit. He is is anti-union and believes there shouldn't be safety precautions for the workers. He's all about, you should do the dirty job, but you shouldn't complain when you get your hand chopped off. Mike Rowe is literally... Leopold II. Literally. I hated to bring that up. I actually like him. Yep. God damn it. Anyway. You know what um, they they say? He's kind of a pansy. They're like, that micro? Soft. That's what they say. Microsoft. You're welcome. Oh, (laughs) Microsoft. Okay. Wow. Anyway. (laughs) So these men were forced to do these dangerous jobs, but listener, you don't go on and think the women were spared. They were just as likely to be enslaved and forced to work as porters carrying baskets of food, including, by some accounts, smoked human flesh. Now, this is just the account of a couple people that were forced to do it. Yeah. There were no accounts of actual cannibalism or anything like that. So... They could have been carrying random smoked meats. They didn't know what they were and just assumed the worst because of the conditions they were subjected to, which would be completely understandable. Yeah. But I don't think any cannibalism was actually going on here. Well, there is a report that one of the the African people that was enslaved and forced to carry baskets looked inside and they saw a hand with some lipstick on it. It It's like, don't eat me, please. No. want this to happen to anybody. Hambo, what are you doing in blackface? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a racist. I've just been smoked. Please don't <laughs> let him eat me. 
will explain the lipstick drawn around your face and all the racist things you've been saying. It's just a sign of the times. Just try to fit in and make it, you know? God. It's goddamn 1890s. Help me. <laughs> no, Hambone. It's unacceptable by any day's standards. Hashtag cancel Hambone. Problem solved. I said we just kill Hambone. Oh, we can't do that. What would we do for the next 40 episodes? We gotta come up with some new material? Fuck that. <laughs> Hambone's only one episode long. <laughs> it's enough. Jeffrey Dahmer brought him up. <laughs> yep. And we can take him out. Oh, I don't know if we have that power, Greg. Well, listener, what about the kids? You may ask with a glimmer of hope in your heart. They were taken to children's colonies run by Catholic missionaries where they were raised to be soldiers for Leopold's force public. No, child soldiers in Africa? What? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> the majority... However, died of starvation and disease on their march. The missionaries considered the kids who died in the colonies as the lucky ones because at least they were baptized and got to go to heaven. They got to atone for all of their sins. You know, for this religion they never fucking heard of. Like me when my body's riddled with cancer in that hangover episode. Yeah, where you're... Or la our last hangover episode. I've got the IV bag on the wheelie thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pay somebody to lure the trucker in there because I'm rich off this podcast. Right. Strangle him to death. He goes to hell because he didn't atone for his sins, but I died on top of his body mm -hmm. while praying, mm -hmm. and I'm in heaven. Just like those lucky kids. The ones that died of starvation on the march, fuck them, they're in hell. The baptized ones, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in heaven with the baptized ones, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Just high-fiving them and they don't have hands. You're like, oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Well, we do the, the elbow thing. Oh, because COVID. Like makes in this sense. COVID day yeah, and age. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. Used makes to sense. It. yeah. Well, in the year 1890, an Irishman named John Dunlop was trying to find a way to make his son's tricycle more fun to ride when he created a tube of rubber that could be inflated and used as a tire. And then he thought, what if I put my dick in this? What else can I do with this rubber? Oh, make something and then not use it. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'll poke little holes in the end. It'll still give me the thrill. <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun laughs. Because he's Irish. I'll just open the wrapper and then throw the whole thing in the trash. Mm, trickery. Mm. Actually, he's Catholic. He's like, you know, I could put this around my penis, but... Uh, that would be a sin. That'd be a sin. So let's just use it for bicycles. Let's just make sure bicycles don't get pregnant, I guess. Whatever. Not for lack of trying, am I right, John Dunlop? <laughs> They're not called bicycles for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> They're not heterosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Little did he know that his sweet, heartfelt gift to his tiny Irish son would result in the death of millions. Just like Lucky Charms. Continue. See, the Congo was covered in vines that wrapped themselves around tall jungle trees. Inside these vines was a thick, white sap that dried to form rubber. When the Dunlop Tire Company began to mass-produce tires and Europe went nuts for bicycles, a loud Sound was heard, and Leopold's pupils literally turned into dollar signs. It's a scientific miracle at the same time. Yeah. You have to understand. Yeah. They, I mean, they turned back immediately. He got hit by a mallet, and the little lump came out of his head, and birds started flying around it, and they got rid of the uh, dollar signs. But, you know, it happened. <laughs> the problem with harvesting the rubber was it required men to climb tall trees in a hot, sometimes flooded jungle whack open the vines, and then cake their own bodies with the rubber mm. so that it could be removed off of them after it dries, taking a good bit of body hair and, sometimes, skin with it. But these men would have to spread out all over the jungle so you couldn't supervise them or chain them together. What to do? What to do? That's a tough one. The first solution that the Belgians came up with was to raid villages, take all of the women and children hostage, 
and then force the men to harvest a required number of kilograms, like, say, 10 kilograms for a village, Mm -hmm. of rubber. How much is that in freedom units? Like, a lot? Yeah, 22 or something. Yeah, I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm ill-prepared for this question. (laughs) Then they'd release the women and children if the tribe also gave them food and supplies. Leopold would deny knowledge of this tactic, but it was actually written in a goddamn handbook that each Belgian agent was given upon arrival to the Congo. Amy no like. Amy no like. (laughs) Shut up, Amy! Clean the baseboards! Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. You don't play any of the apes? Nothing? Charlton Heston? 1970 class? Nice, nice. Well, the Belgians used a similar policy in gathering ivory, and it was mostly effective for the harvesting of rubber as well, but sometimes you just gotta think outside of the box. What if an entire village just refused to go out into the jungle and get your precious rubber? I know what you're thinking, listener. You'd have to massacre them all and send a message to the other tribes. First of all, you're a sadistic fuck. Second of all, that's exactly what the Belgians did! Oh, those motherfuckers. You know, I don't know why they did this. If you asked me, what if a whole village refused to go out and get your precious rubber? I'd just say, you know what, fuck it, bareback. Jesus Christ. (laughs) My STDs are your STDs. You know what? You asked for it, buddy. You want to get pregnant? You get it male pregnant? Here it comes. Here comes the Siemens. (laughs) I'm very fertile. (laughs) Consider your butt pregnant. (laughs) The Siemen requests permission to come ashore, sir. Oh, (laughs) we don't actually care what you say. Here we come. We're marching along. Yeah. Just just saluting in the jungle while you're. God. I'm ashamed to know you. Why why do I hear Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA right now? Oh, you know. It's a song I play when I climax. Anyway. Jesus. Now. We're just going to remind you that all the money from this Belgian colony went into the pockets of traitors and King Leopold II himself. In fact, Leopold would make well over the 2020 equivalent of a billion dollars between 1887 and 1908. The rubber was in high demand. It cost the Belgians next to nothing to export. And most of that was because the labor was free. But hey, you don't get rich by spending money frivolously. So anytime the force publique fired a single bullet, the Belgian authorities demanded proof that it was used to kill a black person and not for something else like hunting or possible mutiny. And so, this really fucked up, listener, as you might have imagined. Very fucked up, yeah. Anytime a force publique soldier killed a native African, they were to cut off the right hand of that person, smoke it so that it was preserved, and present it to the nearest Belgian agent for proof, and sometimes for a paid reward. But what if you did use a bullet for hunting, or you got drunk at a saloon and thought it would be hilarious to shoot at the bartender's feet while shouting, Dance! Dance, Seymour! <laughs> I was doing Little Shop of Horrors. I was doing it. John Wilkes Booth, but we're all... I okay, know. we'll go. <laughs> There is a similarity right there where they overlap. There's a lesson to be learned there, I'm sure. You know, they overlap there, you know, but uh, we'll say that for another show. You know, when we bring America together. (laughs) Well, in that instance, no problem there. Just find a living person and chop off their hand. And if they die of blood loss or infection, well, that's a win-win to these guys. People weren't completely blind to the horrors that went on in the Congo. In the 1890s, a few American missionaries reported what they had seen, but were largely ignored by the public. It wasn't until the beginning of the 20th century when English writer E.D. Morell, which stood for erectile dysfunction, I feel you, brother, Yeah. and Irish statesman Roger Casement began to publish stories. It was at this point that everybody decided to finally ask, 
What the fuck is wrong with you, Leopold? You know, while simultaneously ignoring all of the horrible shit their countries were doing in foreign colonies. <laughs> India, Egypt. <laughs> okay. No, this Never is heard bad. Of no, no. It's bad what this guy's doing. To fight off their stories, Leopold did two things. First, he clutched his pearls and said, Oh my, I had no idea. <laughs> then he started paying off Belgian and English newspapers to print contrary reports, including ones that said that the Africans had been suffering from hand cancer and their hands were amputated to save their lives. Goddamn Belgian heroes. Uh, oncologists, just these Belgian oncologists out in the forest, like, Oh, no, I think that hand has to go. Otherwise, it might spread to the lymph nodes. And you're like, oh, thank you, doctor. Thank you. Sir, he hasn't even come in the tent yet. Yes, I know, but the hand has to go. Consider that my slogan. I'm sorry, what what color is he? Cut off his hand. Jeez. Cut off it. <laughs> <laughs> well, meanwhile, in the Congo, the Belgians put on sham trials. Like one where a man was accused of murdering 122 Africans. The court basically ruled that he had no choice because the Africans wouldn't have listened if he didn't use force. What? Did you see the way they were dressed, Greg? Exactly. Is that that sort of shit? Victim blaming bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These tactics work for a bit, but then Leopold tried to convince the Americans to join in on the fake news parade. We would never fall for fake news, Greg. We are uh, pretty sharp people. Yeah. Well, the Belgians paid a fat, loudmouthed San Francisco lawyer to bribe journalists and elected officials to turn a blind eye to the Congo story. But eventually, the Belgian checks stopped coming, and he told the whole dirty story to the press. Mm. That's when Leopold went back to his feigned ignorance and said, Okay, fine. Let me send some of my dudes down there to investigate. <laughs> They'll report their findings to England, and you'll all see it's not that bad, Seymour. We'll flash forward to that commission returning and reporting it was that bad, and now everyone fucking knew it. Just eat them, Seymour! <laughs> Put them in your mouth and swallow! No, don't do it! That's how you get herpes! Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, plant ham bone. I already tried that plant ham bone. He just left satisfied. <laughs> I put him in my mouth and swallowed, just like you said. <laughs> By now, Leopold didn't give much of a shit. He had made a fuck ton of money. At this point, his hard laughing wife, Mary, was dead. And he spent most of his time in France where he had fallen in love with a 16-year-old prostitute named Doug. <laughs> oh, no, that's not right, no. Okay, I made up the Doug part. Lay Doug. There you go. Le Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I let my own personal fantasies interfere with history. Lay <laughs> Doug. Shout out to all of our 1995 Nickelodeon listeners. What's up? Mm. Leopold spent a fortune on her, buying her jewelry and fancy houses, and she barely had to have sex with him because he had become a total germaphobe who wore a bag around his beard and forced his servants to boil his tablecloths after every meal. So in 1908, when the Belgian parliament voted to take over control of the Congo from Leopold, he didn't fight too hard. It helped that they paid him another 50 million francs for his service. Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks for all your help, buddy. Brutally massacring and mutilating all those black guys. Uh, here's another massive fortune for you. Yeah. Well, on that note, not sadly at all, Leopold would only live one more year before dying of what was most likely cancer. After his death, his funeral procession was booed by the Belgians. An American poet, Vachel Lindsay, wrote, Listen to the yell of Leopold's ghost, burning in hell for his hand-maimed host. Hear how the demons chuckle and yell, cutting his hands off 
down in hell. Alright, Wolfdick. Applause. That's amazing. Thank you. Also, dumb shit should have repented on his deathbed. She'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it's all you have to do. Instant heaven. Just add water. <laughs> it's hard to know how many Africans were killed during Leopold's reign due to spotty record keeping, but the estimates range from 1 to 10 million. That's uh, quite the range, I understand. Yeah, a little big gap, yeah. From what I've researched, most of it is in the 8 to 10 million range. It's it's pretty fucking dramatic. And there are, it's hard because scholars argue this is not a genocide because he didn't target these people specifically for their ethnic or religious beliefs. But at the same time, you know, they all had the same ethnic or religious beliefs. It's kind of like, uh, I, I can understand. I don't mean to be the both sides guy. Yeah. But I could see what they're saying. They, they were simply exploiting the region for money. Yes. It didn't matter what color they were, what they believed, anything like that. So it was a genocide, but it wasn't, the purpose was not genocide. Does that make sense? It sure does. Well, unfortunately for the people of the Congo, things didn't get much better. World War One and World War Two brought high demands for rubber and... While the people were no longer enslaved, working conditions were still a nightmare. To this day, the area that was the Congo Free State is full of turmoil and civil wars. This story only serves as a reminder that there are no happy endings. The powerful people stay powerful, and the common man will always suffer. Unless we seize the means of production. End of story. All right. We are done. We told that story, but there's still a little bit more to go, Greg. It is time for... Fast Facts! Fast Fact number one. Joseph Conrad visited the Congo and based his classic novel, Heart of Darkness, on his journey. The villain of the book... Colonel Kurtz is based on several people he encountered, including one man who collected butterflies and also decorated his front yard with a disembodied heads of Africans on spikes. Fast fact number two. E.D. Morell, or erectile dysfunction Morell, mm-hmm. as you have come to know him, would go on to speak out against England's involvement in World War I and would be arrested for doing so, it would have to serve five years of hard labor. You might remember the name Roger Casement. He's the guy who attempted to buy German guns to aid the Irish Revolution of 1916, but he was caught and eventually hanged for treason. Yay! Fast fact number three. Leopold never visited the Congo himself, But in 1897, Brussels hosted the World's Fair, and it featured a Congo exhibit with over 200 native Africans who were captured and put on display for all of Europe to see. Fast fact number four. Leopold would marry his 16-year-old prostitute girlfriend on his deathbed and would leave her a massive fortune. She would later marry her pimp who she was most likely sleeping with during her entire time with Leopold. So at least you can feel a little better knowing Leopold died a sad old man cuckold. That's how I'm going to go, baby. I hope, man. (laughs) Only in dreams. Only in dreams, my friend. Well, we thank you once again for listening to, I guess, there is some history involved in this story. If you've listened all this way through, God bless you. That's all I have to say. Just thank you for everything you've done for humanity and for us. Hunter Proof History. Um, Greg, why don't you just go ahead and take us home? Because I am struggling and I need a ride home tonight. Otherwise, I'm going to get my fifth DWI. Another year in jail. Uh, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, guys, again, thanks for listening. Visit us at 100proofhistory.com. I implore you. 
I actually demand it. Join the Patreon. <laughs> you will now. Or I'll cut off your fucking hand. Um, Hambo needs some company. He's bothering me. <laughs> but uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have like over 40 Hangover episodes. We have all of our old episodes that are no longer on the air due to their shittiness. No, no, no. No. I'm glad I'm trying to sell you <laughs> right. on the Patreon. It's so but, fucking uh, terrible. Give us money. <laughs> it is what it is. Basically, the homeless guy standing on the corner, everything's gone to shit. I need a dollar. Come on. Come, come on. Hey, but that homeless guy doesn't give you anything. Right? I mean, you know, <laughs> unless it's really late and he's like behind the Walgreens. Hey. Nothing you can report on your taxes. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this shit. This it's awful. It is awful, but you made it this far, so congrats to you. It's like finishing a marathon. You're like, that was awful, but I finished. It's kind of like uh, what my wife said when I impregnated her. Except she didn't finish. Well, okay, fair. Goodbye, <laughs> listener. <laughs> Bye. Oh, I am drunk. <laughs> I am giving military training on the weekend. Only to sexy ladies. And very sexy men. Yes. Qualification for the ladies lower. Like, if you're going to have a dick, you better be real sexy. (laughs) Better keep it trim. I don't want to see no hairs. (laughs) That just reminds me you're a dude. That ruins the whole illusion. I want to suck a lady dick. You ever just look at yourself in the mirror and wish you were better in every way? No, but I look at pictures of you, and I think that. Wish I was better in every way? Yes, yes. Why is this dick all weird shape and curved? God damn, what is wrong with this guy? (laughs) It's (laughs) S-shaped. It's that weird S that everybody drew in middle school shaped. I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you really like uh, Paul Simon's Graceland album, where he has the, all those singers, you know, Diamonds on the Soles or Shoes? You like that? No. Ugh, it's a great album, Greg. Anyway. I prefer Garfunkel's solo stuff. <laughs> no one prefers Garfunkel's solo stuff. I do. That is art. Art <laughs> ah! Garfunkel. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Did it again. <laughs> Did it again. <laughs> Come in. Come in. Man. Uh, I thought I thought I heard a knock at the door. I thought you heard a rap tap tapping. <laughs> Fella. <laughs> Been waiting all my life. Where's that? We killed her parents. Where's that little girl hiding <laughs> in this mansion? Oh, I found her. She's in the attic. Shut up, you fucking snitch. <laughs> Hambone opens the, the thing to the attic. <laughs> the bookcase. Shut up, fucking. Everyone dies. And Frank had her own Hambone. Oh, he's up here. You should read her diary. She talks about masturbating with a girl out of the book. <laughs> She put me through that. I'm going to put her through hell, too. <laughs> if she had a dick, it would have been different, but no, I don't like it. I'll get down with that nasty Johnny. I almost suffocated. She shoved me up there. It's just the worst. <laughs> Hambone, wipe that lipstick off. You look like a whore. God, sorry. Now my jeans have lipstick all over them. <laughs> Ugh.